Welcome to Inside Motorsport. We're joined by a couple of aficionados of open wheel racing in the to talk about TRS principally, but also to talk about Formula 2 and Formula 3 that's happening in Europe. And uh, Brian Beasley, who runs the MTech motorsport team in TRS and has done for a number of years, four years, five years altogether now, Bruin? Uh, 2015 was the first year, yeah. And they, he's getting ready for another big year in 2021. And, of course, Mark Larkham, who is a, a long-time competitor in Australian motorsport because back in the day he uh, had the most beautifully presented Formula Ford, then a Formula Holden, and then made the jump and said, oh, I'll put a roof over my head because Robin needs it. <laughs> Larko, hey, and, your um, love of motorsport. Uh, oh, hey, Daddy. Sorry, I, I was just saying, what's really cool? Uh, Bruin and I race against each other. Oh, I know we raced each other. He used to race. I drove around. <laughs> he was a young bloke having a crack. <laughs> Last weekend at Spa, something very special happened. On Saturday, the Formula 2 category, there were three drivers, I believe, in uh, Formula 2. Marcus Armstrong, Yuki Tsunoda, and, like, and Yuki Tsunoda, who won one of the races back in TRS, this year in New Zealand, he got pole position and then won the race. And that was fantastic. And then, lo and behold, a young German driver who was another competitor in TRS, he got pole position in Formula 3 and won the race. Now, there were four Australians also competing, and that was terrific, among them Oscar Pistari and uh, Alex Peroni and Jack Doohan and Callum Willems. But the great thing was that there were these two guys in two different races showing up the TRS and what it works as a, a development category. Bruin, tell us about TRS and why it should be on every young development driver's list of things to do. Yeah, look, in that Formula 2 grid, there's probably eight drivers that have done TRS in the past. You know, we ran uh, Nazapan, Islet a few years ago, Zao's right. been there, Armstrong, Sonoda, Daruliva, probably half. I think there's eight drivers in that current grid that have done TRS over the last three or four years. And obviously the, F, the F3 grid, there's probably half a dozen drivers that have done it over the last couple of years, like Richard for sure as well. So, you know, the European people all use it as a launching pad as part of their program. They come over for summer, do five weekends consecutively. And most of the, the Formula One junior program send their drivers over because they know it's winter in Europe. You can't do a lot, but you can go to New Zealand, do 15 races, you at the track Sunday, you leave, come back Wednesday and start again. So it's actually a fairly full-on program and it's a process that you can't do in testing you know there's this start there's qualifying all that stuff is uh, so important part of that program for when they go back for, for their season Larko, you obviously have been involved in uh, young drivers in australia and of course uh, young drivers in anton de pasquale in europe helping him through formula renault we we know you of course were involved in formula holden and ran very competitively and of course um, your first foray into europe was as a Formula Ford competitor, was that correct? Yeah, did the uh, Brand Patch Formula Festival, as everyone did back in the day. But you didn't get to run uh, in wings and slicks in Europe, did you? I did a test over there with docking, an F3 test, but like I guess so many young Australians, um, money. I uh, had a good opportunity over there, yeah. but um, I, I couldn't raise the funds required. Um, that's life, and I, I guess it's why it's such an important part of the, the journey for any you know young aspiring race driver to get over there. I mean, it's just a, it's a big part of the equation. Bruin, I know when my cousin won the uh, Formula Ford Driver to Europe series, he said it was literally you got a ticket to Heathrow. And after that, it was just completely, you know, what do you do once you get there when you've got no introductions and nothing else <laughs> on the back of it? Bingo. How is, yeah. how is it changing now and how can 
Australians who often go over there with a large bank account coming home with a very empty one. How, how can that change for Australian open wheel motorsport? Look, I think it's, it's quite a difficult situation, isn't it? You know, the reality is there's a, there's a financial commitment needed. Um, I think what has changed probably from that time when Larco went over is that the world's a lot smaller now, the internet, um, we can travel a lot, well, not the moment, but generally you can travel quite easily, quite cheaply, um, and that does make a difference. Um, you used to, the old days where you had to send a letter or a fax was, you know, time-consuming. But I think what's also happened is there's a lot more access to management groups and there's a lot more programs out there that kids can get a part of um, remotely, like from Australia. So uh, the CRS program, for example, you know, it opened my eyes to a lot of things and a lot of people in Europe that if I haven't, if I wasn't there, I wouldn't have had that access and I wouldn't have got to know these people. And a lot of these people now, when, you know, when I go to Europe every year, we meet and we sit, sit down with people like Dr. Helmer Marco and people like that, that's purely only because of TRS. Um, sitting in Australia, doing our categories here, you'd never have those opportunities to meet those people. Can I just add, uh, Tony, Bruin, uh, yeah, I think, and Bruin will know, uh, Greg Peewee Siddle, Tony, who you know very well, um, pointed my focus at, at, in the direction of TRS many years ago as a, you know, it's almost, you know, it's a, it's a prerequisite. It's on the international calendar for any aspiring driver and to, to largely echo what Bruin said earlier is that the intensity of racing circuit to circuit, week to week, uh, with such depth of competition really, for me, flushes out who's real and who's not. And then think about some of those circuits over there, some of those Kiwi circuits that still hang on to the character they had back in the 60s. Um, to leave there and be dominating your game simply means you must have had to have been on top of your race driving craft. You must have had to have been on top of the relationship with your engineer, the setup of the car, and everything that goes with the intensity of rolling them out, sometimes wet, sometimes dry, and everything in between. So, I mean, wow, in between a couple of categories because of the timing of it, what a place to land and if I could also just add regarding you know this whole issue of I, I guess budgetary constraint and the money to hit the, the European for a young Aussie to hit the European scene or whatever and TRS I think is absolutely part of the roadmap to do that um, I, I think there also needs to be a you know a sense of reality around it I mean like it or not you know to compete successfully in motorsport you need dough finishing junior karting and get on your bike and get it done, whether that's in Formula Ford, TRS, then overseas, whatever, but you need to get over there early. Yeah, and I think part of that is the Liam Lawson Red Bull deal purely only become, came about because of his TRS. He won the first couple of races over there um, two years ago, quite convincingly, after coming back from Europe, and Helmut rang the promoter of the, the series and said, who is this guy, and contacted him. So that opportunity came from that series because he knew it was so tough. You know, Liam has got some supporters, and if, but he's, you know, he's from Pookie. He doesn't have a lot of money, but he's got some good people behind him. But because he did such a good job, that's where he got noticed. Larko, I think it's about $250,000 uh, New Zealand to run TRS. Uh, Bruin can correct me if I'm wrong, but what does that buy you in Australian motor racing dollars? Yeah, well, there you go. So I, I use a figure often of $300,000 as being the, the ceiling. So many young aspirants we see 
get through carding, get through, you know, junior categories, and they get to the kind of the $300,000 mark, which might get them an entry into, um, you know, into, into, into one of the supercar series. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't buy you a lot, 250. That's just the reality, but that's what I, I alluded to earlier. I mean, it is a reality of motorsport. And where we, where we struggle a little bit against Europe and why I take my hat off to people like Armstrong is that in Europe, there is such a volume of people over there with money that you actually end up in F3, F2, uh, and all the all the subcategories are there with people with both bucket loads of talent and bucket loads of money. So the typical Aussie or Kiwi aspirant, I reckon, has had to work a bit harder to get there, and I reckon that's part of the reason we have, I think, particularly from New Zealand, a disproportionate amount of success when we land over there. Use willpower, just if I can. I, I said this the other day to someone. What a great example. Will comes back when he's, Initial part of his career, you know, he was trying to cut it in Europe. Um, great driver, didn't quite cut it, didn't have the money. Comes back here to Australia, goes back to Toowoomba, is working with Dad Bob in the Toowoomba Canvas Factory up there. You reckon that didn't sharpen his focus the next time he got his ass in a car in, uh, in, in overseas, you know, and he, and he just performed like nothing else in the next test. And it's that hunger I think we drag over there from this part of the world. Lyco, one of the things that's unique about the TRS um, and I only learned this because I was there on the ground seeing it firsthand over the five weeks, is that there are only four teams competing. You can't just turn up and say, oh, I want to do this. You've got to sign up with one of those four teams. Bruin owns one of those four franchises, so to speak. And it means that they, the way they run it, the way the cars are transported, the, all their equipment's transported from race meeting to race meeting, it means that the Toyota and the organisers are so aware that they have to make sure that these guys are financially viable. And it just is so important to see uh, a race uh, owner in a, a car company being so thoughtful of the way in which the race teams have to operate. And I just think it is such a, a dramatic example of making a series succeed. And when I learned that during the GFC back in 09, 10, that Toyota Japan told Toyota New Zealand, increase your spend. Don't drop it, increase it. Because Toyota know that that series has an international impact. And that this year, with what Sonoda's last weekend had confirmed today, the 17th driver who is a graduate of TRS is going to have a Formula One drive later this year. And that is a fantastic thing. I doubt there's very many series in the world that can sort of boast that sort of alumni. It's just extraordinary, isn't it? And I guess, you know, we probably don't need to get into the, you know, the debate around, you know, the introduction of Formula 4 into this country. There was, uh, I'm sure, good intent, but, I, you know, in, in, in reflection and even at the time, it seemed to me a logical thing that how do we get PRS, how do we get those same teams and cars shipped over here and functioning over here in some way or form. Um, and, you know, now that's lost. Um, F4's lost and here we are kind of back to square one again. And, you know, I, I certainly hope there's discussions going on. I'm not aware of any, but uh, about what the future on the ground looks like because we do have, you know, a little bit of a hole here in the junior category space. And um, whilst I wouldn't say people are migrating to Formula Ford because they've never really left there. I mean, state-level Formula Ford, for me, is still the greatest place to start your open wheel 
uh, career with a Cairns like, the Motorsport Australia like. Um, and we need to do more to plug that hole between that and whatever that next or the $300,000 step is. Yeah, it's, it's actually um, quite a difficult situation. You know, we the TRS is about 200 Australian, roughly, give or take a little bit, depending on some, your damage and bits and pieces, but that's what the actual series costs. Um, and we're in that situation now where I've got quite a few kids coming through who want to go to Europe. They're quite very successful carters with reasonable budgets and there's nothing here for them. So I've actually got three F4 cars now and up until recently we've just been doing heaps of private testing um, and we'll be taking some of these kids to Europe and making some introductions later in the year when you know we're, we're formed a part, partnership with RHGP who are the leading French team in, in Euro Cup. Um, so, so I'll go and do some testing with them. And obviously, you know, my staff, all come from Carlin, Hitech, VAR, all these places. So, you know, I'm in a lucky situation where I can take these kids over and, and introduce them and, and show them around, which, you know, wasn't available before, but there's nothing here for them. You know, and it's quite a difficult situation where, you know, we don't have an open wheeler men- mentality here, but this, we do need something to fill the void for these kids that, generally want to chase that dream and, and, and can fund it to a, to a certain extent. But, but sorry, sorry, Bruin, can I just jump in there, mate? Craig um, and Tony, I mean, it's, it's, Bruin's touched on a really, really interesting topic here, and, I, and, and it's a hard one to solve, isn't it? Because there he is using examples of, of young kids coming out of karting, going to do some TRS, do some testing in the F4 car, perfect for aspirants of a European career. I sit here as a guy that works in supercars and I similarly know there's a lot of young aspirants want to end up in a supercar because that's how it is in this part of the world. And for me, the development journey for Europe is a different development journey to a supercar. And, and, and if I was ever critical of Formula 4, it was not the cars themselves because I think they're perfectly applicable to the roadmap through Europe. But to grab a kid out of a car here and put him in a car with slicks that's not very adjustable with aero and a paddle shift is not really the pathway to ultimately put them in a car that's a lock diff rear wheel drive with bucket loads of adjustability, no aero and a clutch and a gear stick. So they're kind of different roadmaps, which I go back to my point. I think if you're going to go the European route, you need to know that early, get good advice from people like Bruin, get on the right journey, get connected to the right people and chart that course. If you determine like many do, I love my country. I want to stay here in Australia. I aspire to be a, a, a tin-top driver. Um, well, that's a different kind of pathway. And I think, um, you know, supercars, motorsport Australia, I think we need to get together and, and acknowledge that they're different pathways. And that's why I was always a bit critical left of F4. Nothing wrong with the category itself. For me, it wasn't suitable to the Australian pathway. 100%. And that's why in period, you know, I was running from the Ford and we, we'd – won a championship the year before, runner-up the last year that we did it, and I'm a, I'm a former Ford guy, and they are the most relevant, that Duratec car was the most relevant car as a feeder for the Australian domestic market. But if we want to chase... Think, think about it, bro, bro, I was just explaining this to someone the other day. I can even distinctly remember when we were racing together, I'd go to Winton. I love using turn three as an example. We you know the road dropped away, the right-handed third gear, 
And as a young driver, when you're learning, remember you're like a sponge at that age, right? So, uh, 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 and Craig, your brother would have remembered this. I remember back when he was doing it. You know, you, 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 you've got to get through that corner and carry maximum corner speed, right? That's the game. Because with 100 horsepower, you can't drive off a corner using the engine horsepower. So there's two things you can do. You can adapt and learn to drive the car better. So thereby, you are constantly enhancing your driving technique. Because if you don't, you will fail. And the second thing is, because the cars are so adjustable, you start to learn that, okay, got front right height, anti-roll bar, springs, dampers, rear anti-roll bar, rear anti-roll center, anti-squat, anti-dive, and a million other things. So you're picking up all this knowledge that I can 100% assure you is knowledge that you use to the end of your career in whatever car it is. So I'm with Bruin on this. I still think today in Australia, Formula Ford, um, what a great learning category and affordable when you come out of car. 100%. And I was going to say, it's the problem we have is that, you know, we need to find a way of servicing both markets. We've got kids that want to go to Europe and do that. Um, and we're not, we don't have anything domestically to, to aid that. And Formula Ford still is the place to be, but it seems to be lagging the void. You know, we've now got a lot of people wanting to go race Hyundai's and T86's. And to me, I don't think they give them the information they need. I don't think they give them the, the tools they need later on. But that seems to be a pathway that people are promoting and there's some profile people promoting that so kids go that way. Nicholas, uh, Caliol in New Zealand, uh, the opportunity to bring bring some of those cars to the Grand Prix, what a perfect opportunity to get some of those young drivers. It doesn't fit and I wouldn't want to change the TRS. But when the Grand Prix is just on the back of the TRS, what an opportunity to have those cars to run 15, 20 of them there and get these young kids a chance to be seen in front of the Grand Prix teams. It just, it's just crying out for it to be done. I just don't understand why somebody doesn't wake up to it. Because in New Zealand they want it to happen, but no one in Australia does. Yeah, look, I've spoken to the Grand Prix Corporation and bits and pieces, but it's the funding. You know, I honestly believe we could put 20 cars on the grid and fill them. Um, we'd get Asian because it's the same as the Asian F3 car, the regional F3 car. And it gives some opportunity to kids here to, to race at a high-profile open-wheeler event and do all those things. But it's a matter of funding it. Um, Toyota New Zealand, their budget is for New Zealand. Toyota Australia really don't have any interest in anything other than um, the programs they're involved in now. So, you know, it's something that I've, I've, I've longed to try and achieve. But budget-wise, it's quite difficult. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's a, a cultural thing differently in marketing, isn't it? I mean, if you look at Toyota 86 here in Australia, successful category but you know closely linked to the road car that they sell um you know very much what the reason that gt racing gt3 racing worldwide kind of works because you know manufacturers are interested in it because it also sells cars where trs as a category um is a marketing exercise in being competitive you know it's, it's brand brand engineering isn't it brand marketing you know it's not about um you go and buy one of them it's about hey toyota compete and I guess if the, the you know the marketing department from Toyota in this part of the world, uh, if that's not on their radar, that's not on their radar. But I'm with you, Tony. I get excited about the concept of you know, gee, get those cars out here. Let's do say three races leading into the Grand Prix, back on the back of each other to to, to let everyone get up to speed. So by the time we get to the Grand Prix, we genuinely see the talented kids in this country and some from Asia that maybe come through Formula Ford and karting 
show their wares and we get to pluck one or two out of there that really can get on their way. Wouldn't that be a fantastic outcome? But like everything, yeah, often about striking. Anyway, well, thanks very much to Bruin Beasley and Mark Larkham. It's been great uh, talking to you and I hope that for the sake of uh, Australian open wheeler racing and particularly for the TRS as well for 2021 and beyond because it's now coming up to their 16th year. It's just been an amazing success and, boy, you've really got to hand it to those guys at Toyota and the people who run that series now. It's such an impressive series and I recommend anybody who takes a chance go and see one, two or three or four races because it is so worthwhile. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. I greatly appreciate it. I look forward to you again being on Inside Motorsport. Thanks, Tony. And uh, you keep up the good work there, Bruin. Remember that bloke that was just moseying around in his Formula Ford running that TRS team over there? Really well done, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, look, for me, it's the closest thing to being in Europe. You know, it's um, it brought it home to me when you're, you're standing next to Nelson Piquet and Roberto Marino and Damon Hill and their kids and, you know, their protégés are all there and you think, you know what, it's pretty cool. Well, no longer a Winton. <laughs> Welcome to Inside Motorsport. We've been joined, Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock, by Thomas Randall. And the reason Thomas is on the show, well, he's got a whole bunch of different reasons, because Thomas is one of those drivers who, uh, well, he was at the Grand Prix driving a S5000 against Fisichella and, and Barrichello, his great mate from Brazil. Um, he also is, because he's a Super 2 driver, in fact, the leader of the point score at this stage in their championship. And as a driver in the Dunlop, not sorry, the Dunlop, in the main series, the Virgin Australia main series, it's still known, with Nick Perkat in a BJR Commodore. Thomas, welcome on board, still in Queensland. Thank you, Tony, and thanks, Craig. Yep, sure am. And I'll tell you what, I'm not upset about the weather at all. So, uh, yeah, feel free to feel <laughs> quite jealous of me there. You did, you did live a lot of uh, your life to date in Victoria, so we know you know what that temperatures like. Craig gets a bit colder at times in Canberra, but um, the reason that you're on the show this week is because, tell us about driving in the T TRS, what it does for you. Well, firstly, I've just got to say that it is fantastic for the Toyota Racing Series in New Zealand to have such a great pedigree. I mean, I think uh, there's Yuki Tsunoda had just been confirmed as well today that he will be doing uh, a Formula One test session or a test day. So that I believe that now becomes the 17th or 18th TRS driver to go on to do a Formula One practice session. Yep. So firstly, I've got to say a big well done to everyone in New Zealand and at Toyota and everyone who's involved in the TRS for, for doing that. And also, like you touched on, the results that they are now achieving in the rest of the world. I mean, it is, it's pretty fantastic. And I know we have spoken about this before in the past, but Toyota Racing Series provides, I believe, such a great stepping stone uh, to these higher European Open Wheeler Championships. I mean, it gives you a great, um, I guess, experience at the beginning of the year to to go on to, yeah, pursue your European or international dreams. And also, not only that, but the track time you get is just phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's five weekends in a row, back to back, yeah, five, five weekends in a row and different tracks, the same competitors. You've just got to be on your game all the time. It's not like just doing private test sessions at Snetterton or at Barcelona or something like that. You know, this is 
out and out racing, wheel to wheel, and it's great practice leading into the European season. And you know, Yuki Tsunoda, um, you know, it was it was tough for him in TRS. I mean, he, he finished fourth in the championship. He only had one win. I think he had about three podiums. So he wasn't. I wouldn't say he was a complete standout like you know Igor Fraga or Land Lawson, but he's he's seriously impressive at the moment in Formula Two. I mean to get a race win and a pole position in the F2 category. And that was in the feature race as well. You know, that, that involves a pit stop. So he's, he's got to understand the tyres, the tyre strategy, managing the rubber. So it, it just goes to show that PRS is, is a very strong field. I mean, and, you know, you can look at Liam Lawson as well. He's doing very well in Formula 3. He's nearly on the podium every weekend. I mean, if you if you rule out his DNF at, Hungary, where he had, I believe, two engine failures or an engine failure and some other technical issue, I mean, he'd be right up there, and including his DNF fighting for the lead in Spielberg. I mean, he's currently fourth in the championship, and he's had those DNFs. So it just goes to show that he's on form as well. And uh, even Lorim Zendali, who was a driver in TRS this year, you know, he got an uh, incredible win on the weekend as well. So it just goes to show that TRS really helps guys uh, for the remainder of the year and proves that, you know, you can be very competitive on the world stage. Of course, the guy who won the TRS this year was Igor Fragger. Now, he's running an F3. He doesn't have quite the uh, backing of some of the others. He has got good backing behind him, but he is not showing the speed and consistency. Unfortunately, he's down in the pack and he's running about 16, 17 place in the points, um, whereas, of course, uh, Australia, Oscar Pistaria, um, he is um, – uh, leading, or he's, he's running seven points behind uh, his teammate, uh, Prema Racing uh, teammate in Lachlan Sargent, um, and uh, also Alex Peroni, who's in the top ten. There's another couple of Australians there, Callan Williams, who ran this year in TRS with Bruin, and also uh, Jack Doohan. Oscar, by clearly, um, is the speediest of the four Australians there. And uh, not showing a clean pair of heels because Prema Racing have their two drivers, one and two in the championship. So clearly they've got that set up. They've got that sort of knowledge. Um, and they're going to another fast track in Monza next weekend. The following weekend's their final round at Mugello. But it, it's fantastic to see that uh, these uh, TRS drivers, they've shown their wares well and truly. And we've got to hope that... Uh, There'll be another Australian who signs up and gets in the series as you did. Your year was 2017, yeah. is that correct? And yeah, that was who year did I you did run with? I ran with Victory Racing, so it just proved that right. you, didn't, which, you didn't have to be with the, with the top team, which everyone knows, you know, is, well, everyone believes M, M2 competition is the top team, but when you've all got the same cars, I think it's down to the driver, the engineer, how it's prepared, and that, that's really what's important. But I mean, Oscar Piastri, he would have done TRS in 2020 and 2019. However, he goes to boarding school in the UK and he can't get out of his exams, which are during that time. So that's, that's yeah. Uh, yeah, really been the, the big hurdle for him not being able to do the Toyota Racing Series. But I believe he's the next, our next Aussie hope for, for Formula One. Not saying it's a given, and he would know that as well, but I believe he's got a very level head on his shoulders 
I think you know, he, he obviously knows how to drive, but he also knows how to win championships. I mean, I think he understands that, you know, you don't always have to win the battle to win the war. So, and that's what we're yeah. seeing from him. Um, I mean, there's two rounds to go. He, he's driven at Monza before. I think he's had success there in Formula Renault. But in terms of Magello, that's going to be a great one to watch because that's not normally on many calendars for, you know, Formula 3. I don't believe it was on the calendar for the world, uh, for the Formula Renault last year. So it'll be interesting to see what who's going to, Who's going to go well there? And like you said, that's the finale because the last few rounds have, you know, have been cancelled. I think they were going to, there was going to be Sochi and uh, Bahrain and Zandvoort, but that's all been cancelled for them. Um, so, you know, if it, anyone's game or it's that you know between the top four, I think Lawson's not completely out of it yet, and uh, we'll see. But for for his first year in F three, Oscar's doing a fantastic job. All right. Well, um, that's terrific for that. Now, we uh, we won't talk to you today about V8s and supercars because um, we haven't got news yet on uh, the Dunlop Super 2 Series, nor do we know yet about test days for your Bathurst run with Nick Burkett and BJR. Um, so we'll get you back on the show when when news comes through, if we can. Would that be okay? Yeah, that's fine. No, that's all good. I uh... Yeah, I, I don't know anything yet either, unfortunately. I kind of all depends uh, what Dan the Man says this weekend. Thank you, Thomas Randall, for joining us on Inside Motorsport. Fantastic as a the Australian who's won the TRS. I'm sure that uh, you watch with eager glee, through the same as uh, Craig and I do, to see Australians competing on the world stage. So thanks, Thomas Randall. We'll be talking again soon. No worries. Thank you, Tony, and thank you, Craig, for having me. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.